I didn't even get my suitcase set down in the house Sunday afternoon when I arrived and the phone was ringing. It was Troop D headquarters. On February 8, 1987, Sam Conley had just arrived home from a busy weekend at the Lake of the Ozarks, celebrating his win as the outstanding young public servant for the state of Missouri that year and celebrating his birthday. Captain Lee Thompson, I believe, was the captain then. It was a very uh, come quickly. Russ Harper's been, been killed. Conley says he was in shock. It was like getting slapped in the head with something that you couldn't comprehend. Because he had just seen Trooper Harper a few days earlier. And so I very quickly just got my uniform on and went straight out to Troop DM. Conley says the following weeks would be the most mentally draining for him during his time with the patrol. From Color 10 News and Ozarks Fox, this is Crime Traveler, a look back on criminal acts in the Ozarks and the news investigations that followed them. I'm Steve Savard. Authorities learned that Trooper Harper had been shot after pulling over a pickup truck for a traffic violation. That stop was made on Highway 60 near Farm Road 189, just past Highland Springs Country Club. Conley served as the public information officer for Troop D with the Missouri Highway Patrol during the 80s. He said the moments after the shooting were frenzied. And by that time, the media had heard. At first, it was a little chaotic because the media wanted to know and had a right to know, and it was my duty to do all of that, but I didn't know anything myself. All the time that was going on, our troopers were out investigating it and getting immediately got leads. Conley says a young woman was an eyewitness to the crime and told the patrol everything she saw. See, I don't even remember her name, but she was in Kansas City, and she was visiting some family down here, and she was actually leaving, if I can remember now, it's been a long time, if my facts aren't just right, uh, my intentions are. But I believe she was leaving her family's home when she actually saw Russell Harper pull in behind Glen Paul Sweet in that pickup that Sweet was driving, and Sweet got out with an um, automatic weapon and began to shoot from the left headlight across the hood of the car up through the windshield and the visibar, the red lights, on top of Russ's car. Russ dipped to the side when he saw what was happening. He ducked, one round caught Russ right above the right eye, and it was instant. And, um, but she did see that and let us know. Once the woman gave a description of the suspect, authorities had an idea who they were looking for. A manhunt began for Glennon Paul Sweet. What you're about to hear now is archive audio from Color 10 Newsbeat on the hunt for Sweet. We're prepared to stay until we find uh, the perpetrator of this crime. I don't, we have no intentions to leave or quit for any reason. Nevertheless, the toll of the last few hours of this massive manhunt is beginning to show on the faces of these men. This is not their first time for an investigation of this magnitude. Most of these troopers searched to find David Tate, the man who shot Trooper Jimmy Linegar. Sergeant Conley says these men are experienced and will not let up until they find the killer of Trooper Harper. Yes, we're bitter, but that might even make us a little bit more dedicated to see this um, uh, successful investigation. 
Officials believe the suspect is confined in the Ozark area. An extensive search of six counties has now been concentrated to four, Douglas, Webster, Christian, and Greene counties. Conley adds, however, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Kansas authorities are still active in the search. About 100 law enforcement officials will continue 12-hour shifts as necessary. The FBI, state patrolmen from troops G, I, and A, and local police and sheriffs are still a part of the manhunt. But Conley says witnesses and public input have helped the most to narrow this investigation. Because of the leads, roadblocks are fewer, concentrated, and the constant air search from last night is now on hold, waiting until troopers get another lead. Certainly these men have a sober attitude as they go about their job today. Conley says they're after the cold-blooded person who killed a member of their brotherhood, of their family. And emotions, though controlled, are intense, especially for this trooper manning the phones. Alan Hines was wounded the day his partner, Trooper Lineker, was killed. After days of tips and searching several counties, the patrol was able to capture Sweet. Conley says a nearby business owner recognized him and called authorities. I think a gift from God to us. There was a house on, in West Springfield near a large manufacturing plant. And one of the guys that, was, uh, that worked there, you know, had walked outside on the ramp and there was a single house sitting out in the field. And he saw a guy walk out of that house and I believe he was carrying the weapon. And he saw him put it in the trunk of a, it was an old Monte Carlo. Well, he saw who he thought might be that person, called our office on a tip. So we sent a SWAT team over to this house and sure enough, Glenn Paul Sweet was hiding in the attic of this house. The gun, the weapon he'd put in the trunk of that car, I believe. So they were able to recover the weapon and they made contact with him. At that time, our equipment was pretty sophisticated and we put a red dot on him. It was come out or, or that's, you know, and so he did, he surrendered. After Sweet's arrest, troopers brought him back to the Troop D headquarters for questioning. While that was going on, Conley was handling the media circus also happening at Troop D. After some time, there was a lull, and Conley got asked by other troopers to do something he never thought he'd have to do. They were doing some kind of work on getting their evidence together, and they asked me, I had about a two-hour break, they said, would you come downstairs and guard Sweet? We've got him downstairs. And I said, sure. So <clears throat> I remember going downstairs in a room that we had him. He was handcuffed, sitting in a chair. And he was 15, 20 feet from me. And I remember the feeling of walking in and looking at the man that just killed my dear friend. I didn't have any big television feelings of, I wanna shoot you, I wanna kill you. My thought was, what a waste. What a waste of Russ Harper, what a waste of your life. And I was so tired, I was so exhausted. I just sat down, I actually took my revolver out, laid it on the desk in front of me and sat down and I looked over at Sweet and I said, you killed my friend and I've got to sit here with you. Don't get up out of that chair for anything and don't answer me, don't speak to me. I don't want to hear your voice, just sit there quietly. I was so tired, I stared at him. I don't think I blinked my eyes for two hours. Jack and Tom came back. <clears throat> I went back upstairs and we wrapped up that part of the manhunt. Of course, that was just the beginning of everything, but we did catch him. 
The surreal feeling of sitting in a room with a man that destroyed his life and destroyed the family and the life of a really good man, it's hard to explain what those emotions feel like. Sweet obeyed Conley's orders, and to this day, Conley has never heard Glenn Paul Sweet's voice. The following is a report from Color 10 Newsbeat reporter Mark McDonald on August 16, 1987. Before 31-year-old Glennon Sweet of Ozark County goes on trial for the murder of State Patrolman Russ Harper, a crucial piece of evidence has to be considered. That is, the alleged murder weapon. Defense attorney Ty Gaither filed a motion to suppress the automatic assault rifle as evidence. In response, prosecutor Tom Mountjoy called as witnesses members of the highway patrol who testified that they found the weapon in an abandoned car outside the house where Sweet was hiding. They said they had no search warrant, but they did have permission to search from the woman staying at the house. But that woman, Jeanette Wolf, testified today she did not give them permission to search anything. Gaither says the search and seizure of the gun were illegal. How important is the gun to the case, Todd? Well, that'd be an opinion on my part. I think it's very important, though. Critical? I'd say yes. I'd say so, yes. Mm -hmm. But the motion to suppress the rifle as evidence will not be decided today. Two subpoenas that were apparently important to the defense never got served. That matter will be continued on September 9th. Clay County Circuit Judge Glennon McFarland will hear further testimony at that time. Until then, Glennon's suite will remain in the Clay County Jail. The trial for Glenn and Paul Sweet wouldn't start until December 1987. After jury selection, the trial officially began. Jurors heard from members of the highway patrol who found the gun and from those who found Sweet in the attic of the home. He saw in the far corner of that attic a blanket, high-top tennis shoes, and the form of a man under the blanket. Selvi testified that Sweet said, I'm not armed, and then moments later, he was under arrest. Harper's wife, Gayla, also worked at Troop D headquarters. She attended the trial every day and only stepped out when a medical examiner talked about her husband's injuries. She did give a statement to the media during the trial. I just wanted to say that I prayed that justice would be served in this case, and I really feel that it has. And in behalf of Russell and myself, I thank all the agencies that worked on the case hard and long and the prosecution, and all the people that have given me so much moral support throughout this time. After four and a half hours of deliberation, the jury found Sweet guilty of first-degree murder. Prosecutor Tom Mountjoy. This is a message involving uh, what is going to happen to an individual uh, who will murder a, a law enforcement officer. And uh, without this type of verdict, uh, there's really uh, no protection, in the sense of deterrence at least, for a law enforcement officer. Sweet would be sentenced on January 20th, 1988. The Clay County judge sentenced Sweet to death. Glennon Paul Sweet asked that his sentencing be moved up from February 24th so he could begin working on his appeal. Clay County Circuit Judge Glennon McFarland granted that wish, and then he sentenced Sweet to die for the February 1987 shooting death of State Trooper Russell Harper. McFarland followed the recommendation of the jury that last month found Sweet guilty of first-degree murder. Yes, the judge's only other alternative oh, yes. was life in prison with no chance of parole. The judge had options. 
but I think the judge uh, sat through that same trial with those jurors and heard the same evidence and uh, knows how conscientious the jurors were in their decisions. And uh, I had confidence, really, that the judge would follow through with what the jury had uh, recommended. In Mountjoy says an appeal is automatic in death penalty cases. Defense attorney Ty Gaither made a motion to withdraw from the case after the death sentence was handed down. McFarland told him to stay on the case. You said you expected or was there any hope that perhaps the judge would not impose the Where there's life, there's hope. Thank you. Thank you. Sweet will be taken to the state penitentiary within 10 days. His execution date will be set by the Missouri Supreme Court. Mountjoy says because of the appeal process, it may be five to seven years before Glenn and Paul Sweet is put to death. Sweet would spend several years in prison waiting for the Missouri Supreme Court to set his execution date. And they did on March 20th, 1998, declaring that Sweet would be executed on April 22nd. Former Color 10 Newsbeat anchor Joe Dawes reported on Sweet's execution. Dawes has also served as a state's witness for other executions. It was not, back in the day, normal to just go cover every execution. But this case having such prominence in southwest Missouri, we decided to go. Sweet was, uh, had some kind of Native American background. There are rituals in the Department of Corrections that you go through, like your last meal and all that kind of thing. But they allow you certain things, and I think Sweet went through a smudging ceremony. He wanted to do a, um, a sweat lodge, if I remember right. And uh, I, th I think the state generally tries to accommodate them for last requests like that, but that was denied, so they allowed this other ceremony, which is kind of a, if I remember right, it's like a cleansing ceremony or something. And so he did, he went through that, and I think he had a medicine bag or something with him, um, which is also unusual, you know, on the gurney when he was executed. There were no victim's family there that night, I remember that, and I know there were several troopers that were there on the, on the deceased trooper's behalf. Sam Connolly says during the time prior to Sweet's execution, he had retired from the patrol to pursue another career. The day he heard Sweet was going to be executed, the memories came flooding back. I remember that day, and that day that I heard that Glenn Paul Sweet was going to be uh, executed, it all rushed back in. And it was almost like um, a fever. All the emotions and everything, because this was the culmination of everything that had happened. And I thought, where would Russ be today? Where would Gayla and Russ be today? It's not that I didn't have sympathy for Sweet, but I didn't have sympathy in regard to what he'd done. That was probably, you asked me about closure, I think that was the, the day the door slammed on it. To know that all of those years of that now, it was gonna cost his life. I didn't feel like it was retribution or anything. But I think we felt like this is closure on something that, that was bad and sad to us. As Conley said, the execution of Sweet brought closure to the Highway Patrol. Nearly six years later, the Missouri Department of Transportation named the section of Highway 60 where the shooting took place after Russell Harper. Conley says Harper was a great guy to work with. Russ was a happy person. He really was. He had a great sense of humor. When I first met Russ, he was stationed in Osceola, Missouri, and he was a trooper there. And um, <clears throat> in fact, I had all 18 counties. I got to know Russ traveling around, going to different areas. And then when he came to Springfield, of course I saw Russ all the time. 
And you know, he was he was just a happy guy. And he was professional. Don't get me wrong. But he had a great sense of humor. He loved to laugh. And he won Gala's heart by that. Crime Traveler is a Color 10 News and KRBK podcast. For exclusive video from the Color 10 News Archive related to the story and others, go to ozarksfirst.com slash crime traveler. Our producer for this episode is Chris Six. Our executive producers for the series are Tony Wynn and Chris Six. Our research team is Eric Reedus and Lisa Hamlin. Emily Cushel is our social media producer. I'm Steve Savard.